It's never too early to start decorating, right, Laura? The traditions we hold dear to our hearts are important, and sharing those traditions with our children is so special. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast. My name is Jennifer Walker. With decades worth of experience as a pediatric nurse, along with my friend and partner, Laura Hunter, we are here to help guide you through the bumps in the road, as well as the highlights of being a parent. Today, we'll be sharing some of the Christmas traditions we've passed on to our own children. Plus, we'll be answering some of your questions, like how important is it to keep twins on the same schedule? Also, how to stop the breastfeeding process when you're ready. During the holidays, it's no easy task to stick to a routine. Well, today, we'd like to take a few minutes to start the episode with some useful advice that may help you stay flexible during the hectic holiday season. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Nosebot, for their continued support. And a big thank you to you for joining this episode of the Moms on Call podcast. We know how important spending time with family is, especially this year. Sometimes this may be the first time that we're getting together in over two years. So we want to make sure and speak to you guys specifically on just how do we keep the routines for the holidays? How can we be flexible when our routines are anything but flexible this time of year? Well, I think recognizing where you're going, what kind of situation you're going to be in and planning for that is so helpful. And if you are going to be there for longer than three or four days, you can go ahead and set to a new time zone. You can try and get on that new schedule. Otherwise, do the best you can to have some semblance of what you can keep intact at somebody else's house, in somebody else's routine, and in all the extra stimulation that's offered. We are not changing the time that Christmas dinner is going to be offered. That (laughs) took 16 people to come up with in the first place. But if just so happens that it's baby's nap time and they miss the nap and they're a little bit fussier, it's okay. If you want to bring a little slumber pod, let them sleep while you eat and then bring them out a lot happier for everybody to adore. That works too. If you just think about it ahead of time and have a plan for what you think is the most likely way that you can enjoy where you are. And Lauren, I can't say this enough. The holidays are not for stressing out about who's going to stay on the schedule and who's not. It's just about enjoying the people that you're with, the situation that you're with, and showing these amazing, unpredictable, sometimes chaotic, but angelic-faced kids off to all of your loved ones and family and letting them get to know the realities of what this life is like. So we want you to enjoy that. Enjoy the food, enjoy the people, the schedule. We can get back on track as soon as you get home. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. 
Christmas traditions. There are so many fun, wonderful ways to celebrate all of the varied holidays that seem to all culminate in this last month of the year. But one of my favorites is that your daughter, Laura, loves to decorate early. I think she gets that from <laughs> you because you are an incredible decorator. You have such a great vision. And some delivery men came over. They were delivering something to her house in October and saw her Christmas tree up and decorated and were giving her a hard time about that. And she said that what came out of her mouth, which I love. And so this is like one of the phrases that mom's on call when we have our staff meetings. We'll use this all the time now. I love that she gave this to us in the moment kind of, you know, getting teased for having that Christmas tree up. She just looked at him and said, I lost a dare. <laughs> this is what you're getting <laughs> Right. I mean, it was brilliant. So anytime something happens now with us, and we all have permission to utilize this. That's right. I lost a day or I lost a bet. That works too. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so true. I didn't want to explain <laughs> it is what that means. I just lost a day or because, you know, that is, but, oh, the holiday traditions. And, you know, I think there's so many, I think, yes, there are tons of holidays that all seem to come right at the same time. And in our house, some of the things that we do is, yes, I do like to have my Christmas decorations up typically that week of Thanksgiving because I want to be able to enjoy it, you know, the full time as long as possible. If I'm going to put it up, I want to be able to enjoy it. And so that's one of our traditions is making sure that those things are up the week of Thanksgiving. And then for Christmas, one of the things that we do is Christmas Eve night, we go to church And then we come home and we can open up a present on Christmas Eve night. And that's just one of the things that we have always done. And then we'll have hot chocolate and go right around and look at Christmas lights. And that's just such a sweet time. On Christmas morning, one of my favorites is we used to have this puzzle when the kids were little that just talked about the the story of Jesus being burned. It was a huge floor puzzle. And as we put the pieces in, my husband would read the story out loud. And then we would the puzzle would all be done. And it was kind of like squishy. So we'd sit on it and then we'd get a chance to open our presents. But I always loved that because you would get up and it's all quiet and you've just had this anticipation. And then you just start with these really great traditions. It's one of my favorite memories. And many, many years I remember praying for 10 o'clock Christmas. My family teases me because everybody always wanted to be up at five in the morning. Oh, yes. And I was already up late, like sneaking <laughs> stuff in. And so, <laughs> so, yeah, so I'd be like, oh, I just want 10 o'clock Christmas. And I think my youngest were in middle school. I finally got 10 o'clock Christmas. What do you want for Christmas? I want to be able to sleep in. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the mornings were so, so sweet. And I'm going to tell you a little funny story. One Christmas I came down and I had these holders for the stockings, the stocking yes. hooks. They spelled the word peace, P-E-A-C-E. And then we also had like some little stuffed animals, you know, Winnie the Pooh, Mickey Mouse. So I come down one of the days towards Christmas and The boys had just rearranged, so there was only the letter P and E and E with three stockings on it, and then they had (laughs) put the Winnie the Pooh in the front. So essentially, I came down with my beautiful piece that I just thought I was, you know, sharing with the whole world and our family, and I came down, and literally, they had changed it to Poopy. (laughs) 
who? P. That's awesome. (laughs) This is what they looked up there and thought. They didn't think, oh, I shall embrace the message of peace. (laughs) (laughs) They said, you know, we could rearrange these and make poopy and wait till mom comes down the stairs and sees that. I still have a picture of it in my favorites. That is so much fun. And so from my childhood, one of the traditions was my mom all year. She would gather little gifts for all the nieces and nephews that lived a couple hours away from us. And on Christmas Day, we would get up and and open our gifts, and then we would get in the car and head to my grandmother's. And she would load all these gifts that she wrapped and put the pretty paper in the bows and just made it really, really special because our nieces and nephews didn't celebrate Christmas. And so we would go up to my grandmother's and she would pull up and you would think, I mean, like she was Santa Claus <laughs> to the to all the nieces and nephews that weren't celebrating Christmas. My mom was Santa Claus and they would open up that trunk, you know, and she would just give and the look on her face as she was giving out these gifts to her nieces and nephews. I mean, it's still etched in my mind. I still can see her. And then, of course, my my grandmother and my mom and my aunt would all start in the kitchen. You know, they'd wrap their hair back, get the aprons on. And I mean, they went to work and they would work for three, four, five hours so that we could have this incredible meal. And oh, I mean, I can almost smell what that was like back then, because that was such a huge piece of what we did every single year. Oh, yeah. My father-in-law would make homemade biscuits. First of all, he's got these phrases that I love, absolutely love. And one of them, it's a Southern phrase. So those of you that are listening from around the world, here's what some of the folks say in the South. If you say something obvious, the reply is, Does five pounds of flour make a big biscuit? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so perfect. But let me tell you, his biscuits, oh, and Christmas Eve morning. So we would go to Meemaw's Christmas Eve Eve. Then we'd go to Me Nanny's on Christmas Eve (laughs) proper. And then we'd be here at the house for Christmas morning. And it is oftentimes you're just spread in 20 different directions trying to get everybody. You know, right when you've had kids, it's your family and their family and trying to get to everybody, but we really worked it out in the most extraordinary and beautiful ways. And yes, Mima would get in there in the kitchen, but Dad Walker made the most delicious biscuits. And then me and Annie would just make an incredible feast. But one of the other things that you talked about was in preparation for Christmas. So there's a lot of like Christmas trees where you can go and be able to pull off something that somebody else wants. I love the goodwill opportunities yes. that come. We would go do shoe boxes where at our church you could, you know, just say how many shoe boxes do you want to fill? And they would give you a list of the items you needed. And we loved going shopping for those things, gloves and toothpaste and just really practical elements that everything fit in a shoebox. And then as a church family, we'd all get together and wrap them together. So they would get to see like layers and layers of people doing this, filling the shoeboxes, you know, wrapping the shoeboxes together. And that was one of our most wonderful memories that we did together as a family and as a community. Those were given out over the course of those last two weeks of Christmas. That giving 
in this season, those opportunities are available. And regardless of what religion or celebration uh, that you do in your house around this time of year, that is one thing that's consistent across all of them, right? Is that we begin to really think about giving and, and helping our communities. And one thing that the Hunter family did for several years was working down with Pastor Paul, about the, a week or two before Christmas, we would all meet out. There were just small groups that we would take bags of toys and just go out and deliver toys around the city of Atlanta. And my kids were a part of that to be able to walk into homes and pray with families and to watch the kids open up a gift that was handed to them. And that was a really cool tradition. And we had done that for for several, several years. There's just something about that that I think, again, crosses all celebrations, whatever you're celebrating. That is something that I think is interwoven into each of us all of our celebrations is that giving heart that comes out at this time of year, which to me is just, and it doesn't have to be big, right? I mean, one more tradition that, you know, is a burden. You don't want those traditions. Try and think of some things that aren't a burden. It shouldn't be heavy, right? And so we don't want to completely weigh ourselves down and miss these opportunities of just sweetness and family time that's available this time of year. Oh, yeah. The family time, the good food. Uh, The memories. Yeah, the community, when the community comes together and being able to serve and give. And I love what you said. Yes, regardless of religion, (laughs) I can't forget. So I used to sing funerals and weddings, (laughs) but (laughs) I have rarely been to a funeral where I wasn't asked to sing Amazing Grace. Amongst other things, but that's usually the one. So near the Christmas season, one of the doctors that we work with, um, he's so gracious, and his family is Jewish, and I stopped by the house, and he said, oh, you have to sing, sing, you know, for my family. And I was on the spot, so I sang Amazing Grace, (laughs) which they were so incredibly gracious and kind to me. And so even like if you kind of step on somebody's toes in some way, you didn't intend to see the expression of incredible kindness and inclusivity and that I just remember feeling like, oh, you know what? Thank you. (laughs) That's the one, you know, that I, that I chose here, but, um, and you know, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful to learn about a lot of the traditions and things that they did. And they were incredibly gracious in sharing those things. And so, yeah, that was a moment where I remember feeling that somebody else gave me incredible grace on the holidays. Oh, I love that. And uh, it can be just little things, little traditions in your house. Try to start thinking about those and, and share about some of the memories from your childhood around this time and do those things. And in the Hunter house, you know, I cook and you know, I love cooking and you're so good at it. (laughs) And if anybody knew what the food you made tasted like, they would be hungry right now. (laughs) So what we started, and this is a recent tradition, probably about maybe six years ago on Christmas day, instead of doing the whole Christmas dinner Traditionally, we changed it and we started doing what we call a Cajun Christmas. So on Christmas Day, 
in the evening, after four o'clock in the evening, people just come over in their pajamas. They bring all their leftover cookies and pies and whatever. They just bring that to the house. And, and then we have Cajun Christmas where I do red beans and rice and crawfish etouffee and gumbo. And we do beignets and shrimp and grits. Okay, now and- we're all hungry. Now we are all <laughs> probably hungry. <laughs> so this should have come with a warning. We'd like to apologize for what we're about to do. Did you say beignets? Oh, oh my gosh. They're s- and they're so good. Mm. And, you know, but it is a time when I can do those things and want to do those things. So always choose traditions <laughs> that you want to do. Um, <laughs> choose beignet Christmas when you have a choice. Choose it. And it's just great because it it is an opportunity to talk to my kids about some of the things that my family did when we were younger. And uh, so think of those traditions and they don't have to be elaborate. They don't have to be. Uh, Well, let's talk about one. Okay. So what about the elf on a shelf? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, (laughs) there are some families that absolutely love it. And when I say I watch what this elf does, and man, some of these elves, they're so mischievous. Like how in the world do these elves get themselves in this much trouble? Oh, it is the expression of the creativity of mankind. (laughs) This is sometimes why I think they made Instagram, just so we can see. And you know, a lot of it is, is, it's a dad's. I'm just, you got to throw that out there. Yeah, they encourage those elves to. If that elf is ever awkward, that's probably dad. (laughs) Yeah, that is so dad for sure, because they just instigate in those elves. You know, they're they're watching, they're Mm -hmm. listening, and they know how to play that. And man, that elf on the shelf, he just gets himself in all kinds of trouble. (laughs) No matter what the traditions are, community, family, food, beignets, biscuits. We're sorry we made you so hungry, but we just want to celebrate with you any of the ways that you love to do this holiday season. All those things that make us happy, that make us serve each other, and that give us a time to reflect on what is really important to us. We hope that your holiday season will be filled with everything that's important to you. And hopefully, if you can arrange it, maybe some beignets. As a new parent, there is one thing that you will experience, and that is nasal congestion. It may be what we call newborn congestion those first few weeks, or those pesky colds that make eating and sleeping difficult. Picture having to hold their arms, legs, head all at the same time while trying to suction out a small nostril. It can feel as if you have been wrestling an alligator. Well, Dr. Stephen Gowdy, a pediatric ear, nose, and throat physician, created the NoseBot to help. The NoseBot is a portable, rechargeable electric nasal aspirator with hospital-grade suction. And the great news is no more manual suctioning is needed. I love the unique nose piece design that frees up your hand to stabilize the head and it is super quick and efficient. This also makes an incredible shower or holiday gift for new parents. Go to www.drknowsbest.com and use offer code MOMSONCALL for $25 off the NoseBot nasal aspirator. 
That's www.drnozebest.com with offer code MOMSONCALL. Always consult your healthcare provider concerning when and how often nasal aspiration should be used. I promise you that whatever question you have about raising your little one, we have probably heard it before. We've been doing this for a long, long time, and we've gotten a lot of questions. Some of them are funny. Some of them are serious. And all of them are really, really important to the person asking and to us. We want to answer yours. Give us a call at 888-234-7979 or find us on Instagram. Leave us a voicemail or send us a message with your question. We might answer it here on the Moms on Call podcast. Hi, I'm Maddie. I'm from Houston, Texas, and I am a mom to two two-month-old babies. My question was just about feeding and their schedules because we're working on getting a schedule together. So I'm curious if one is ahead of the other or one is able to go in longer stretches between feedings, if we should try and keep them on the same schedule or let them get off schedule and let one feed uh, every three and a half hours and the other every four hours. Uh, I was just curious how you guys deal with this because I know it can get complicated when they're feeding just at different times throughout the day. And I know it's important to try and feed twins at the same time. So I'm curious how you guys deal with that. Thank you so much. Maddie. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The answer unequivocally, Laura is yes. (laughs) Yes. Feed them at the same time. And they go down at the same same time. time. Now somebody can come up a little earlier from a nap. That's the only thing that we allow. That's right. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll allow a little bit of extra snuggle time with that one. But following the eight to 16 week routine is pretty much where you want to be with these twins. They should be eating about every three hours, give or take a little bit. And if you'll follow that, then they'll both kind of settle right on into that rhythm. Feed at the same time as close together uh, as you possibly can. In our online course, we actually have some great videos of feeding twins in that online resource. So if you have the zero to six month online course, you'll be able to see exactly how we did it in our house. Uh, So you'll be able to, to see that and give yourself a little grace, give them some grace, but get them on the eight to 16 week routine. Make sure you're swaddling correctly. Make sure you're using a sound machine as well. All of those things will put this in place very nicely. Yeah. And you mentioned that it can get a little complicated. It can get complicated. It can get exhausting and it can be unsustainable. And, um, you know, Laura and I, when we did this, we didn't have a whole lot of extra hands. So, you know, we always come from the perspective of if you are having to do this by yourself, most of the time, get these kids fed and whatnot. That's a perspective that you'll see that we come from. It's always easy to figure out how to get extra hands into the mix, right? So if you have to do it yourself, take a look also at the books. There's a great twin section there that also has some helpful information. Hi, moms. My name is Katie. I am from New Jersey. I am loving your podcast. been using your books since my daughter uh, was born. And we're just getting to the point of stretching out her night 
to 7 a.m. She's four months old, a little over four months old. However, we've had a little hiccup. So about um, nine days ago, she's been waking up at 4 a.m. every single morning um, with a bowel movement. And we don't know what to do because she was sleeping so great. She was sleeping till 5.30, 6, sometimes 6.30. So we were starting to work again on that 7 a.m. stretch. And now we're kind of at a loss. Um, she um, has started teething a little. Um, so we're thinking the increase in BMs is because of that. We do, you know, follow your feeding schedule and nap time schedule. But we're just struggling with just that 4 a.m. wake up. And she has diaper rash as well, probably also from the teething and increased diapers. Um, but we don't want to leave it going. So we're going in there right away and changing her, often changing the sheets and her PJs as well. It's a big production at 4 a.m. <laughs> that we try to keep quiet. Um, you know, we follow all of your guidelines for going in and, and just making it as boring as possible and just not talking to her and putting her right back in her crib. Sometimes she'll go right back to sleep. Other times um, she stays awake and, and it's a battle. We have to go in there with the passy and try to soothe her back. But anyway, wondering how long this is going to last, if this is maybe just from teething or um, we also are wondering if she's ready to drop her fourth nap, which we haven't done yet um, because she's not quite eating enough solid foods yet. So we're sticking with the other schedules still. Um, also wondering if we should up her feeding time before bath time, if that would help at all with, you know, having her have a BM before she even goes in her crib for the night. So any advice on that? Also, I don't know if it's just typical at this stage since she's four months old and, and starting to roll and things like that. You know, maybe it's just developmental and she's waking her body up at that time. Hope you guys can help me out. Appreciate any advice or tips. Thanks so much. Bye. First of all, I would just love to give a shout out to the poop changing ninjas. I mean, to get in there and change the sheets and do it with as little light as possible. Look, that takes effort and a lot of planning and skill. I know it's not an Olympic sport, but it could be. So first of all, well done. I'm trying to make that as minimally stimulating as possible. That is awesome. As far as switching the feeding, so there were a couple questions in here and I'll answer one or two more. I'll get to the meat of what really is going to help to get you through the night and more on the track to have those 7 a.m. feedings. But one of your questions was, do I need to move the nighttime feeding to see if the poop will happen before she goes to bed at night? And the answer to that is no. As much as that would be fantastic to be able to predict those things to that level, that is not what's going to be the most effective. But Laura's going to tell you what will be effective. So a few things we want to try to do, and as long as healthy and we can try to get as close to that 6.30 or 7 a.m. mark as we possibly can, that'll help start to switch that digestive system around after about three to five days. Some great things that you can do is at bedtime. One, we want to make sure we're using the right diaper and putting that diaper on correctly so that we're not having to change the PJs and the sheets with that poop. So let's make sure that those diapers are, are put on correctly and that they're the right size. Oh, and on the Instagram, go check out Laura and yeah, doing the little hack. That is amazing. But she does a diaper changing hack on the Instagram that is fabulous. That'll 
definitely help as the ninja poop changing happens. That's right. And before they go to bed, if you'll lube up that bottom really, really well with some, you know, whatever your preferred diaper rash cream is. I like Aquaphor. Put it heavily. That will help get you closer to that 630 point in the morning before you have to change. We love your voicemails, but we realize that sometimes you just don't want your voice out in the world for everybody to hear. So you can also send us a message on Instagram. Our account is at Moms on Call, and we check that before we record every episode of this podcast to find your questions and answer them in the show, even if we can't hear your sweet voice. So I have to go back to work, and I want to stop my two breastfeeding sessions cold turkey. I don't know where that phrase came from. (laughs) There is no cold turkeys (laughs) involved. (laughs) I'd love to know. But cold is good. So a couple of things you want to know, like when you're in the shower, you don't want super warm water. It tends to be more stimulating. And you want to get a super tight sports bra to wear during the day, like two sizes too small. You're just going to feel like it's really, really tight. Kind of like a stuffed turkey. (laughs) There you go. Well, maybe you are a cold turkey. You'll take colder showers. You'll have this sports bra that you're stuffed into. And um, it's so good for the holiday season. Anyways, the body takes about three to five days to adjust to an increase or decrease in demand. It's so amazing how it'll do that. So really just a couple of days, tight sports bra, just no stimulation, as little stimulation as possible, then you will be comfortable. And as far as the baby is concerned, we can replace those with the same bottles that you've been doing throughout the day. Then there is this little grieving process that happens inside of us. So that last time that you do that last breastfeeding, kiss that sweet little head and look forward to what's going to be happening next. And if there's a few tears in saying goodbye to this beautiful thing that you guys did before, that is totally normal and okay. And I want you to honor that. Thank you to everybody who left us a voicemail or sent us a message on Instagram over the past few days. We're sorry that we can't answer every possible question on the podcast, but we try to get to as many as we can. So if you have a specific question you'd like us to address, you can leave us a message at 888-234-7979. You can also reach out to us on Instagram. We check our Instagram account before every recording of the podcast. We like to leave you with the good stuff. That means we're going to put a smile on your face and we're going to leave you with your heart feeling happy. We look for stories that are uplifting and encouraging and talk about the best of humanity. We call this segment The Good Stuff. So Jennifer, you and I know probably some of the most incredible people in the whole wide world. And those are our teachers. And we know some personally. My husband is one of those. And then Amy, who is, we're just going to nominate her for sainthood. I know. I don't know how you do that, but that's what I feel like. There should be some application process as she makes little hands. And it is a process. Like when you're making the little turkey and you are putting ink on or paint on kids' hands one at a time, how to be able to do that without getting paint absolutely every, I mean, she has a system that is unbelievable and then takes it, 
laminates it, like gets it home to you, puts it in a book for the end of the year. There are so many fine details and getting that done start to finish takes an incredible love and appreciation for kids of all ages. And yes, Jim Hunter is an absolute amazing, generous, incredible when he talks about all the things he has to do from paperwork to, you know, driving the bus. I mean, he loves those kids and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that, um, that we have, these teachers have hearts like they're just so big and these teachers love these kids. I mean, they get a new set each year a lot of times and they just really can find ways to connect. And so today I wanted to share with you, Jennifer, a few of my favorites that I found. And one was there's this elementary school teacher and she every day has students say affirmations. So to start the day, she's like, I am strong. And they'll go, I am strong, you know, or I am kind and I am kind. I mean, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing ever because we all should start our day saying these affirmations. And and it did make me think about, you know, how we do encourage our families to speak those truths over our kids at bedtime when their little hearts are open to instruction. So how cool is it is that we're speaking those truths over our kids at night. And then we have a teacher who is coming in and speaking those truths over our kids as well. Agreed. Well, and no matter what time of day you do it, (laughs) it's so fantastic. And I think so many times, you know, the teachers really are. They're just supporting the things that happen at home and vice versa. So we just like to encourage you. Sometimes in the goings on of the day to day, we sometimes make teachers out as if they are the enemy and they really were working toward the same goal. Yes. We are unified and they are putting some really amazing things into our kids. And yeah, you know, sometimes as a system broken here or there, it is. But generally speaking, we are all on the same page, all working to do a good thing and build that next generation and build fantastic things into them. And like John Butler, he's a teacher. Students showed up to graduation and their shoes weren't matching what the dress code was supposed to be for graduation. And so this teacher, John Butler, stepped in and gave the shoes off of his own feet to these kids and they would wear them. And some of These kids, like his shoes were two or three sizes too big for these kids, but they would put those feet and they would get to go across the stage kind of shuffling, you know, um, because the shoes were so big. But man, I mean, instantly, he just didn't even think about it. He slipped those shoes off and gave them to those sweet kids so that they could walk across the stage. And, And I'm like, oh my gosh, literally give the shoes off of your, off of your own feet. That's just crazy. And wonderful. And like, did they fit? Were they the right? No, it didn't even matter. (laughs) It didn't (laughs) even matter. Uh, All right. So we got one more. Math teacher Finn Lanning stepped in when a 13-year-old Damien uh, needed a new liver, but he was a foster kid and didn't have a stable home. And so the chances of him getting this liver were really, really low. So This teacher, Finn Lanning, adopted him so that he could get 
a liver and began loving him and took him into their house and just allowed this little kid to thrive and to get the liver that he needed. I mean, that just goes completely outside of of that job description of being a teacher for sure. Well, I love, you would certainly give the shoes off your feet, the shirt off your back, but to adopt and provide an organ and a future. And you hear these kind of things sometimes too, an organ donation, like that someone would give a kidney or all of the ways that we would go to love sacrificially. And when we hear about those things, that makes us proud of humanity. And as far as I'm concerned, we need every opportunity to be proud of humanity that we can find. And that's why we are telling you about the beautiful things that are happening on the inside of humans, just like you and I. And when we think about what I had the capacity to do such a thing, you know, when those things are laid on your heart and those opportunities are presented before you, you do the things, those little things that nobody may ever see or know or the extent of what it cost you and be a part of the beautiful ways that humanity loves. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit MomsOnCall.com for more resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive this amazing parenting journey. We are so grateful for you. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a couple of minutes and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and tell everybody what you love about the show and spread the word. If you have parenting friends or people who are expecting in your life, even grandparents, let them know that the Moms on Call podcast is available for them for free wherever they listen to podcasts.